everyone and welcome back to another edition of the SBK Betting Podcast. We are now just under a week since the end of Royal Ascot 2023 and a marathon week. So much racing. Um, Ross and TC guided uh, you through the highlights and previewed every single day. And uh, I think now we can sort of have a time, a moment to reflect on the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, there was so much to take away from it. Um, it was uh, quite a punishing week in some respects from a betting angle. Um, some good days, some bad days, but in general, the handicaps were a lottery and we saw some extraordinary uh, payouts and big, big prices, especially in the two-year-old races, um, which is where I'll start. Um, Ross, TC, I think we can both agree, that we all agree that it wasn't the easiest um, meeting to, to, to judge. And Ross, as a, as a fan of the juveniles, I say you were, some of them, quite impressed, mesmerised, you know, especially from the Adrian Murray two-year-old that went and won it 150 to 1. The American winner, TC, I don't know if we necessarily saw that coming of all of them, but Ross, to start with you, what really stuck out from the week and what are your big takeaways? <laughs> My big takeaways, was it was a painful week. I mean, River Tiber got me off to a really good, a really good start in the Coventry. I was I was confident on him and I thought, oh, I think I've, I might have, you know, been following this closely enough. Um, relief rally was ever so painful. I tipped her in the juvenile watch piece on racing TV. I, I, I still believe she was the best horse in the race and just probably just a bit unlucky. Um, and it went downhill from there, really. But I don't think you can knock any of the form lines. I mean, it would be really nice to know that um, Michael Appleby's uh, horse was working with his uh, placed uh group one sprinter in the in the run up to it uh big evs i mean there was there was that that's that's information you'd have killed for um but there was no no fluke about big evs being uh there i think they're a really decent bunch of of, of juveniles uh, i just got two eye catches um i wrote about earlier in the in the week um i thought in the um winter castle stakes alabama um finished a long way in front of, of the group on the far side that wasn't the place you wanted to be. Got off to a slow start as well. And I think is progressing with racing. So Alabama would be one that I'd be keen to keep on side there. And then in the uh, Chesham on the last day, Golden Mines just got no run whatsoever. Um, had to wait and wait and wait for the for the gap to open. And then when the gap did open, finished really well under Oshin. Or um, I think he's a, a smart colt in the making and, and uh, he should uh, win prizes later this year. Yeah, there is certainly, especially from watching it a draw by a sense you know one day it was one side one day it was near side I thought Highfield Princess on the um on the Saturday was really unlucky to be on her own on the near side and just you've just it was one of those days and I actually think Richard Farhi made a really good point about the amount of two-year-olds in a race and having to be left in the stalls for a long time that can ruin a horse's chances and I think there's probably a lot of learnings to take away there's obviously the the, the bans that have been applied to the jockeys for whip rulings you know Frankie Dettori is now not going to be able to ride in the July Cup as is um, Oshin Murphy but all that aside TC you know we did see I think we kind of humbled by a couple of them Mostadaf you know I didn't see that coming. I think he's. We've got to give him a lot more respect than than we should do, um, and we have done that race. So I don't think we'll ever be able to work out the Prince of Wales. Um, what do you think from the internationals' point of view? I think Crimson Advocate winning was good for racing because there's so much support comes internationally, and it was probably good that the the support they give the meeting is reflected in in the results, um, and it means that we'll get Royal Ascot's going to be well supported and very competitive for years to come. 
Yeah, we need those international winners. As you say, it's, it provides that extra angle that we might not get any other festival during the, the summer. Um, and the fact that Crimson Advocate got the job done for George Weaver and uh, very enthusiastic owners was phenomenal. Um, not only just for myself, who loves US racing, but just for the neutral or even people who are watching Ascot for the first time, just to see their enthusiasm and buzz about bringing their horse across and winning on the biggest stage. I thought it was a very difficult punting week. Akita Sushi got me out of serious trouble in the Duke of Edinburgh on Friday. Without him winning, I think I probably wouldn't be sat right here right now. But uh, yeah, we move on. We get into this week's action. Don't be hard on yourself. Don't forget what you, the, the level of form that you came into. So for your sake, the high level of standards, it's a bit like George Bowie coming into Royal Africa, <laughs> expecting five winners and having to leave without any and losing a load of horses, which is not ideal, but it can happen. It's just like you give yourself such a high level of um, wanting and wanting to produce winners. And it just goes to show how tricky that, that meeting is. Um, but as we say, we move on to some more competitive week, uh, weekend action. Um, but we have excitingly got a new SBK feature. Um, same race Acker is now live. It's just a basically a horse racing bet builder. Um, and for example, you can pick two or three horses to come in the top three of the Northumberland plate as a double or a treble, which Ross and TC and myself are going to do. So a bit of fun. Um, if you bet £10 on the same race Acker, you get a £10 free bet to use on horse racing. T's and C's are in the description on the app, but a lot of fun um, for uh, this weekend so as I said we're going to get into the um, same race acker from TC and Ross and my perspective but let's go through the race first of all the Northumberland plate over the years has been um, a, a fascinating race we obviously saw one of the training performances of you know recent times with Trushan landing it off a massive weight for Holly Doyle and Alan King last year um, and this year we've got a much more open feel to it. I don't think there's a standout from a horse perspective. There isn't something that's a, you know, a clear group one horse like that in a handicap, but we do have um, horses that merit a lot of respect and post-impressionist has to be one of them. Um, he heads the market and it's sort of five to one, at least the field. Um, and then you've got some sort of really dour stayers in behind um, from post-impressionist. Who's the, who's the kind of unexposed horse. And, if I'm rightly or wrongly, I don't know if I this right say TC, but was he not touted for this race last year or did he, and he didn't come into it? I don't know what happened to him. He's definitely been plotted as a kind of horse that has got a big race in his in his in his armory. But this is gonna be a big ask after two hundred and sixty seven days off the track as much of a genius William Haggis is. Yeah, he is a genius uh, and I am siding with post-impressionists. So maybe I'm going to be very pro uh, the fact he's coming off the layoff and using this as a ploy to, you know, run him off a nice handicap mark rather than cons. I can see the cons about him, the layoff, the fact he hasn't really faced this kind of field apart from at Royal Ascot last year where he got completely stuffed uh, and the fact he's drawn in 19 of 20. They're obviously the cons. However, I think the layoff is perfectly fine. I like the ploy to come back into the Northumberland plate first up. I think that suggests that William Haggis believes he's a much better horse than this level. Normally, you'd give a horse a prep run to make sure they're 100%, but with him, maybe they don't think they need to. I also like the draw in 19 because although there is a reasonably short run into the first bend, when you're wide, you can come across and slot into a position, whereas when you're drawn on the inside in a huge field, if you don't break well, you're likely to get shuffled back or short of room. So I like the draw. Um, and long-term viewers of this podcast will know that I have an affinity for post-impressionist because I put this horse up three times last year and it didn't reward me once, including when he was my nap at Beverly at about five to six uh, and he lost. However, 
ever since his novice runs, he has shown that he's got the ability to develop into a nice prospect. Finally, last year, on his final start, he won at York, and that kind of proved that he can make up into the prospect everyone thought he could be. And I think that was due to the fact that William Haggis upped him in trip to a mile and six furlongs. So the extra distance in the Northumberland plate should pay to his advantage. And if you just look back at his only run at Newcastle, he finished second behind subsequent Group 1 winner Eldar Eldorov. He wasn't beaten too far, and he had a worse run in the race. I think you can mark up that performance. Obviously, Eldar Eldorov wasn't a Group 1 horse when winning that maiden, but, you know, it was still a good effort. William Haggis hasn't had a runner in the Northumberland plate for 10 years. Again, another interesting stat, suggesting he doesn't love the race, but he thinks this horse is perfect for it. And he has a 32% strike rate at Newcastle in his career, 30% strike rate just in the last five years alone. So I think this entry of post-impressionist is by far the most interesting in the whole race. And I've got a side with him, Jess. Yeah, he's got two runners in the race as well. Nathaniel Green, who post-impressionist, has put to one side quite comfortably last time. Um, that's a really interesting stat indeed. And his pedigree suggests he's close related to the Cesarich winner, Grimetti, that he should be all right at the trip. Um, oh, right a weight of nine stone, four-year-olds. Have you got any stats on runners' age, you know, age winners? I can see you smirking. I don't know if I've just given you a bit of a trap there, but is it is the, the fact that he's unexposed might make him a bit vulnerable age-wise? No, I like that because if you've got the older horses, albeit Trushan was an older horse who won last year, we knew he was miles better than this quality. But generally, older horses are, you know, exposed and therefore we know they're running roughly at the level they should be running at. Four-year-olds in this race, I don't have the stat but I do know that Caravan of Hope won it back in 2020 as a four-year-old. Uh, I like the unexposed horse coming in, the horse that could be the group performer and not a handicap performer. Brilliant. Yeah, I see it as well. There was another winner, Antiquary. I'm just looking at the last uh, winners, um, was a four-year-old too, but a lot of five-year-olds too. So I would imagine that it's not nothing to get too concerned about. Okay, that's just ruling out any concerns. Um, TC's with Post Impressionist. Um, we'll get your um, um, your additional to, to to make a bit of fun for our for our ACA um, in a bit. But Ross, what, what are your thoughts about this horse, Post Impressionist? Is it a good plot job? sort of laid out from William Haggis, you know that they are very good at race planning. They always have something in their mind and they, they very rarely struggle to pull things like this off. Um, but do you think there's something that might have that race fitness that would just just make it tough for him? Um, I, I just think in a, in, a, in a staying handicap or a staying race of any, any, any nature, a little bit of race experience and, and race craft and just that bit of fitness that you just no matter how much you do you can't put on at home uh, doesn't go and miss I, I absolutely see the appeal but in such a big field um he was just short enough for me um I, mean, I need to provocate this by saying this isn't a race that has particularly been on my radar over the years and Liam who's producing is probably going to mute me now because it's it is his race um but having looked at it I I did like a William Haggis horse but it was Nathaniel Green and I take on board what you said that he was he was put away quite nicely by his other runner last time. But ever since this horse won over a mile and six at Haydock last summer, um, where he got carried across the track, he did all his best work inside the last half furlong. I've been dying to see him over further and see him in these in these staying contests, and he and he hasn't. He's run over the same trip. He's run over a mile and a half. Um, I think he's got some nice form in his book, and I think he's open to plenty of improvement over this trip. I mean, when he won at Haydock, he beat Giovaletto, who's won a Group 2 at York since. Okay, there was a, a disparity in the weights, but it's it's still a class horse you're, you're beating. Um, 
he's handled your weather as far as you can see. He's had one start on your weather on just his second start and he, he ran perfectly adequately. So it doesn't seem to be any problem there. He does seem better with a bit of cut in the ground, which normally suggests a horse would would, would not mind your weather surface. Um, and I thought his fourth last time at Goodwood was was a was a decent effort. He was he was staying on, you know, behind the eventual uh, Ascot Gold Cup winner again, getting lumps of weight. But even so, uh, it wasn't wasn't the worst race in in the world. Agaggio in second is is a good horse as well. Um, and so my selection with him is really built around. I think he's got loads and loads more to give up in trip. I think he's a fundamentally quite a lazy horse. Takes a while to wind up in the straight. Um, he's got a nice draw in eleven. So as TC said, they they've got options. You know, they'll be able to break and then ride how they want to ride so i'm keen on him and, and then with my my same race acker um another horse that has, has got to be on the radar is is golden rules made a really impressive really impressive at kempton after 638 days off um won very comfortably I and mean, it was a really good ride by Oshin murphy he dictated it from the front and and ran his race his own fractions but this horse was not in any way fully extended um, and when they were closing to him with a furlong to go, he found plenty more under minimal driving. I thought um, he's a smart horse. He was he was fourth in the Ascot Stakes when with when with John Gosden um, off just a pound lower than this. Um, he's only up three pound for that Kempton win, which I thought was was pretty generous. Um, he's actually trained in uh, in Monmouthshire, where I used to used to be based. Um, by Deborah and her son Tom Faulkner. Um, I know Tom a little bit from my point-to-pointing days. He was a Tom was a really good point-to-point, well, a good point-to-point jockey and really good point-to-point trainer in in our area. And I spoke to him this morning. Picked up for just six thousand at Newmarket, and they were looking to try and buy a horse to go and win a little uh, novice hurdle. Um, got him home. He was very buzzy. They've got a swimming pool at, at, at Devon. They've got a really nice setup. They've swum him lows, so that's helped him relax. Um, they were looking to go and win a little novice hurdle at Newbury in February. Ground was too firm, couldn't go. Um, and so they, they they gave him a spin on the all-weather. And and then they said it was really all systems for the week after the win at Kempton were, were geared to going back to Ascot to, to run in that Ascot stakes. And then they just considered he's a big horse, 17 hands. They weren't overly sure about the ground. Given his buzzy nature, they don't want to prep him for a race and then not run. Uh, this is worth twice as much as the Ascot stakes. So decision was made quite early on to keep him back, train him for this. Um, he's going to go there, a fresh horse. They're pretty confident they're traveling up today. Um, and it's just a nice story. I mean, Gareth Cheshire, the owner, is, if you go on their Facebook, he's in the yard sweeping and brushing and carrying buckets. It's a proper team effort. And I think he's a really smart horse. For a stallion in Golden Horn, who is doing good things this year, um, I love him. You're, you won't find... A bad-looking horse by Golden Horn, that's for sure. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really keen on him. Yeah, I love this story. Six grand, A for a Golden Horn from the family Shakita. Ex John and Thady Gosden obviously had issues. Was must some sort sort of niggle of some sort that kept him off for so long, um, and to come back into retain Oshin Murphy as well because Andrew Balding has got um, Berkshire Rocco in the field um, but he's allowed his jockey to get, get keep on um, golden rules for this race it's a wonderful story all the best to them um, as they mix it with a horse that they bought for such a small amount and they've sort of nursed back to this um, this standard this level to have a really good crack at um, the Northumberland plate I love it and yeah it... Oshin has been in twice since Kempton to ride this horse now He's a man in demand. That, that says that he clearly thinks yeah. this is a, is a horse worth bothering with. Mm. Oh, totally. And, you know, it's not, not 
not an easy journey from Lambourne all the way to Monmouthshire just for just to have a set set on where he could be all over the place. But that's a that's definitely a confidence boost. Um, he's he's the he's the he's the storyline, but he's also not just the storyline. He's also got a cracking cracking chance in this race. So best of luck to all the connections of Golden Rules um, Horse Ten um, for Ross Miller um, in the Northumberland Plate. I will um, myself um, going to stick with a horse that I really do have a bit of a soft spot for and I fancied him at Royal Ascot last week at Zoffy um, who I think just didn't quite stay out he's done this before Hugo Palmer run him in two and a half mile races and I just don't think he gets the trip I think he's a an out and out two two miler two and a half um, specialist as we saw when he was second at Chester in the Chester Cup um, he ran a big race he's a he's far higher is 11 pounds higher in the handicap to his last win but I think he's proved that he can win or be competitive off this rating even though you know this time last year when he won at Newcastle he won off 84 winning the um, Northumberland Vars uh, it's a quite a quick turnaround but he ran a big big race just got tired late on um, Hugo Palmer knows how to win this race and I just I think that he has got a cracking chance and again well drawn um, in 16 that's where you want to be um, I think he can be really um, competitive um, Ross has already uh, let us know of his of his Acker play. I'll give TC the floor first before I come back to me and add add to it. Um, what's going to be in your same race Acker to add to um, what you've already got here with Post Impressionist? Yeah, I'm going to include Post Impressionist to win in the same race Acker as well as two to finish in the top five horses. Uh, first is going to be Rajinsky, who's finished fourth and third in the last two editions of this race. This has been his target. Super consistent, loves the track and the trip. So he's got to go in there uh, to finish in the top five. And the other one is Omniscient, also to finish in the top five. Uh, Samart Prescott last year laid out a horse for this race. Didn't pan out, but I think he finished sixth or fifth. And Omniscient looks very much of the same mold. So I'll have Post Impressionist to win, Rajinsky to finish top five, Omniscient to finish top five for my same race, Akka. Okay, brilliant. And um, we heard from Ross and myself. I'm going to add Rainbow Dreamer to Zoffi, um, a horse that's, um, although he's, ten, he's a 10-year-old now, he's sort of defying his age. He's a horse that is kept the all-weather. He's got a brilliant record on it as well. And he showed last time out when he won um, at Newcastle at this track in the uh, all-weather marathon championship. And he was a big price that day. I don't think that was any fluke at all. Um, he kind of can go under the radar. He's um, got a big enough weight, but... He's a horse that I think in this kind of Acker situation, you've got to feel like he could be up there in the first, at least in the first five. So I'm happy to add Rainbow Dreamer with Zoffy to sort of out and out um, competitive handicap stayers in a race that it could be some fly in the ointments, especially um, with Ross's um, selection, Golden Rules and also Post Impressionist. Those sort of uh, less exposed stayers in this field. Really good looking Northumberland plate. I think we can agree. Um, but um, from that, we're going to move on to what else we've got, because I I feel like this first weekend of July is the first weekend where it sets the tone for madness on a Saturday. There are how many race meetings across the UK and Ireland? Too many, probably. Difficult to follow at all. Um, probably not for the right reasons. Um, obviously, the Irish Derby is on Sunday as well. Um, we're going to go. We're going to have a quick look at that before we're going to get naps the next best because I think it would be 
remiss of us to um, kind of brush aside the fact that August Rodin is going to be back on Sunday, um, especially after the way the Derby form's working out. Um, they will be licking their lips at Bally Doyle to see um, that Wiparo's come out um, and won well. And obviously King Steele, who was second to him, was very impressive and looked like a real monster at Royal Ascot. So all the signals are, are, are right from a form perspective. Now he's got to go and do it on his home track and quite surprisingly um, give Ro- um, Ryan Moore his first Irish Derby winner, um, which is not currently in his CV. Ross, um, do you think it's quite a straightforward looking Irish Derby for Gus Rodan? He's obviously got Spruwell in there. We don't have the com- confirmations at this stage, but in a, in a race which is not been massively over-inspiring in the years. I think it's good for the race that August Rodin is looking to do the double. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it should be straightforward. As long as you factor in, he is flesh and blood. He's not a machine. Um, and as such, things can go wrong. But yeah, I think, you know, he's he's going to have had a more straightforward prep into this than he did to, to Epson, really, you know, after the guineas. Um, so yeah, I think the only, the only negative is the fact that Ryan Moore hasn't won an Irish derby. And Ryan Moore is only without an Irish derby through misfortune, not through lack of talent. So there's no worries there. So I think he he wins it. It's not a race I'd, I'd have a bet. And I don't see how Spreewell or White Birch can can reverse the form. If I had a free bet and was pushed for selection, uh, I would suggest up and under each way. Um, he made a nice uh, late two-year-old uh, debut. Looked very much like it was just fair to get experience on the track and has run really well in, in two starts this year in the, in, in the Bally Sacks, uh, second behind White Birch. Um, he was hampered, so he arguably could have been close to only beaten half a length. Um, and in the Derby trial next time, he was a little bit further behind Spreewell, but he came from a long way back. Spreewell was more, more prominent in that race, um, just given the disparity in the prices at the moment. Um, if you were going to try and look for a value selection, it would be him. Uh, but it's a race I'll watch and, and not partake in. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think you've got to be in, when we weren't that confident with August Rodan in the in our Epsom Derby. Um, you've got to take the confidence of, of what he showed that this is this horse is the real deal now. Um, just trying to think back and look back on the why Ryan Moore might have been. Um, you know, for whatever reason, not being on an Irish Derby winner. I don't think there's anything to worry about too much. Like looking at his stats, TC at at the Curra, it's his from all the Irish tracks, it's his most successful. He's got 28% strike rate there. He's had 128 winners from 468 runners. So it's not like he can't can't ride the track. It's pretty straightforward, especially compared to Epsom. So I think that's just a, it's, it's kind of a bit of a meaningless point, really. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Ryan was on Wings of Eagles back in 2017 and Capri won for Aidan O'Brien. He was on Anthony Van Dyke in 2019 uh, when Sovereign won from the front um, in a ridiculous circumstances. They let him go 15, 20 lengths clear and couldn't peg him back. Uh, and then in 2020, when Santiago won, I don't think Ryan rode in the race. So it probably just is, you know, a bit of coincidence. Aidan O'Brien's won 14 Irish derbies. Ryan Moore's going to chalk one up this Sunday, I believe. Um, I'm not a fan of losing money. No one is, right? So uh, opposing August Rodin would be pointless because he looks very much likely to win the race. And I would just emulate everything Ross says. I think if you're going to have a bet, then it's probably up and under to place or in the each way market just because he hasn't been beaten far by White Birch uh, and Spreewell. And he's only had three starts, so could come on for, for those efforts. Whereas those two horses went to Epsom, they might be just tipping over the edge now, uh, having been fully primed for the derby. And up and under is a much bigger price. So if you were to have a bet in the race, it will be him. 
but I'd just rather watch August Rodan win. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's also, it could cut up a bit. We don't know um, how many are going to be declared. I think it needs to be in each way betting heat for, um, you know, more than seven runners to get too interested from a betting perspective. I am interested. I'm lucky enough that I'm going to be there on Sunday. I'm looking forward to seeing Knight to King, A, in the flesh, and B, to see how he runs. It's just going to be his second run. He put up a big display in his maiden at Gorham Park earlier on in June. Um, and Dermot Weld is opting to give him a, a quite a tough test on his second start. But he is a half-brother to Gaeth. He is beautifully bred. Um, he could be a he could be a very good horse. He might just need the experience, obviously, but it's it's nice to have a horse of a kind of unknown quality in the race. Um, so Knight to King, um, just at an each-way price. I wouldn't want anything too short under um, 10 to 1 or so for him. Um, but as the as guys say, very much probably to be chasing home August Rodin in the Irish Derby, part of the Irish Derby Festival, which starts on Friday, goes on until Sunday. So we could be picking from the from the Curra Racing for Naps and Next Best, or we could be picking from Newmarket, from Newcastle, from Chester, from Windsor. I don't know where it will be, unless there's a jumps meeting that Ross has found. There probably is one um, dug in there as well. Um, but we'll start with TC first. Let's go with your Nap and Next Best from this busy weekend. Yeah, although there's lots of racing, I thought it was very competitive and hard to actually find confident selections. Um, my nap is going to be Malakana in the 452 at Chester. This five-year-old mare is best described as scrappy. Whenever she gets in a fight, she always seems to come out on top. And therefore, she has a very nice, prolific strike rate of 7 from 20 in her career. Last year, she developed into a good performer over hurdles. She racked up a hat-trick in the early part of the year, including a grade 3 at Cheltenham before having a break coming back on the flat and winning a couple of uh, competitive handicaps in the back end of the year at Ascot and Newmarket, two proper tracks which generally feature good fields. Her flat campaign this year has only just began. She ran at Chester 14 days ago, and I thought she was extremely luckless then. She was just about to make her move around the inside on the turn uh, and just had no room whatsoever. Shuffled right back, yet still finished her race off well for third. Good grounds ideal. Ian Williams won this race last year, and I think Malakana, with any kind of improvement from her reappearance, will win the uh, 452 at Chester. And then the next best, I mean, this is a really tentative decision and selection, I have to say, Jess, uh, and I'm going to the Curra which kind of suggests how tentative it is. Uh, in the 250, a horse called Ice Cold in Alex. He's a nine-year-old sprinter, not usually my go-to. Uh, however, he's a four-time winner at this venue. Seems to save all of his best efforts for this place. Um, and he's also just two pounds higher than when last successful. The, the jockey who rode in that day was Jamie Powell, a five-pound uh, apprentice. He's back aboard. And actually, last time out, I thought he ran very encouragingly despite finishing fourth. The small field was probably a negative for him then. He likes a, a good pace to run into. He's a closer that comes from off the speed with a big late kick. And he's got a big field in this 250 at the Curra. And crucially, a good high draw. So I'll take Ice Cold and Alex in the 250 as my next best. TC, brave move um, selecting uh, a horse from a, a Curra handicap, especially a sprint, but I'll take it to the Curra with me and um, wishing the best of luck. It is competitive, but I'm sure that Ross is delighted to see de declarations because a horse that you were really hoping to see at Royal Ascot runs this weekend. Take it away. Yeah, so after getting a bit of a bloody noise, nose at Royal Ascot, I've, I've been looking at the jumps this week and, and, and sort of cheered myself up a little bit and then looked and there's no jump racing on Saturday whatsoever um, which dampened my squib rather but uh, I have found a couple um, the 1240 Denrith Diamond for the Millman team um, Philly I really like she was an eye catcher on debut at Windsor finishing very fast just two and a half lengths behind he winces uh, Queen Mary runner-up relief rally um, 
I really fancied her next time out at Windsor. She was quiet in the market, which perhaps showed that it was a competitive heat. She was only fourth, but she was fourth behind uh, Chief Mancato, who was well supported before uh, taking it, getting taken out of the stalls at Royal Ascot. Inquisitively, was was fourth in the in the Windsor Stakes, uh, and Sky Wizard, who was third, won next time at, at Salisbury. So that form has worked out really well. Denrith Diamond then went over to Ireland, uh, to France rather, on softer ground and picked up a decent little prize over there. She comes back half a furlong in trip here, um, but it's a stiffer track. The ground has had a bit of rain up at Newmarket and it's it's good. That would be fine. If it dries out and it's good to firm, that would slightly temper in my enthusiasm. I think she is better with a little bit of cut, but she's a really smart filly. Millman team, year on year, punch above their weight with these, with these um, two-year-olds, particularly with their fillies. Um, I think she's a real nice horse and I think she'll win the 12.40 at Newmarket. And then yeah, I am going across to the, to the Curra, uh, the four o'clock, uh, uh, group three and it, it's our riffer i mean if, if you if you put a horse up as, as i did in the um preview podcast for uh, the saint james palace stakes um on on his on his first start of the season you, you're kind of duty bound really to put him up when they're running in a in a group three five runner group three i just think he's a really smart horse he's a lovely physical by Wooden bassett what he did in the vincent o'brien national stakes last year at the car was really impressive um i like him an awful lot um, I don't think this looks like a particularly deep race and I'd be disappointed if he doesn't win this and then to go on to justify my confidence and prove himself to be the best three-year-old miler uh, of his generation. Big words. Actually, just touching it, just as we're, just as we're saying it, thoughts on Paddington beating Caldine, put it, put it, made it, made it look like he was by far the better miler, although I'm sure that Caldine will, um, and their, the connections will want to take them on again. Um, we weren't too sure about Paddington. We didn't know whether we wanted to believe him or not. Do you, are you a believer now, Ross? Yeah, I'm getting there. I thought he looked really good. And I, you know, I don't think he had, uh, Chaldean had any excuses, really. I just thought Paddington is looking very progressive, as these Aiden O'Brien calls often are. Um, I'm still convinced he's better over 10 furlongs. Um, and if he is, he's going to be really quite a horse. Yeah, he definitely is. I, I was really taken by him and I, I wasn't necessarily in his camp beforehand. Um, okay, thank you for your Napa Next Best. Um, yeah, I must say, so much to, to pick apart this weekend. Um, a quick word for um, the Fred Archer Stakes. Not a betting race, just a watching brief, I think. New London is back after a break. Was last seen sing second in the St. Ledger. He's up against Alazi, a horse I've always followed, kind of been a bit of a cliff horse. He's obviously had his problems. He's back after... Um, over a year off as well um, and he's up against they're up against Kamari and um, I just think that's quite an interesting race overall picture wise not a betting prospect just good to see how those horses fare against each other um, my nap is going to be in the Criterion Stakes in the 150 at Newmarket um, a couple of weeks ago I put up Jumby um, who went up and went up and won the John of Gaunt Stakes and proved that seven furlongs is his trip he might have just been uh, he got a very good ride that day um, I think um, I don't know whether he might just be found out having to give away a penalty to a horse that looks very very progressive in the shape of Aldari um, coming out of handicaps into sort of these um, listed sort of borderline listed to group races um, I think he's uh, a, a very a very he looked to be even better uh, 
uh, this time last year than um, he he had ever done. He's another one that's coming off a big, big break. William Haggis has a big weekend of these horses um, that he's sort of campaigning to to come back after breaks. And Aldari is the one that I'm really looking forward to to seeing. Um, and hopefully he'll be given a time timely run by Jim Crowley and the same sort of aspect that he's done before, held up off the pace um, to go away and win the Criterion Stakes. That's the 150. Um, and then I'll go um, to the 12.55 at Newcastle, the Chip Chase Stakes, and quite an interesting race um, in the fact that we've got El Caballo, who was um, put up by, I think, Ross Antici, um, and could only manage third in that jumpy race. But I like Tiber Flow, um, only found creative Floss, um, who's sadly no longer with us too good last time at Haydock, but I think he really comes to his own on the synthetics. He's got a really good ref- record on the all weather. Um, again, another one for William Haggis, Tom Markwine on board. He's got course and distance form, um, and I think he comes into it in a good place, and he's uh, well worth his, his weight back on this surface in what's quite an open-looking affair so that is my nap and next best selections and i think we've gone through it all um don't forget the uh um, same race hacker that you can get involved with it the new sbk feature we've given um our selections good luck with whatever yours are whoever you're going to take a little bit of inspiration from um and i hope that you have a very good successful profitable weekend good luck to tc good, good luck to ross enjoy the weekend and we'll see you soon